Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Daniel Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And we're joined by a yappy dog down the street. Let's let's give the dog a, a moment to shine. Cool. Cool. <laughs> cool. Welcome to Sounding Board. <laughs> welcome to Sounding Board. Nice. Yeah. New theme. New theme. Every week a new theme. <laughs> Here at Sounding Board, that's, that's our motto. That's the that's the scoppy guarantee. Yep. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Today's my day off. Yeah, we've had a nice morning. Yeah, I so I wanted to wake up earlier, and I didn't. I didn't because I I open at the cafe tomorrow, which means I have to wake up at four thirty tomorrow morning, mm. and then I slept until eleven. You're really good at at least thinking about it. I wouldn't. Yeah. And then I also would sleep terribly in preparation for it. Yeah. No. Decided not to follow through. I, yeah. I woke up at like nine and then I just fell back asleep. Mm. But That's fair. I'll I take that a, a lot. I'll take a melatonin tonight. Yeah. And it'll be good. Shout out melatonin. Yeah. Be great to get that sweet melatonin sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> what? Like the, the chemical? Yeah. Shout out melatonin. <laughs> Hey, yo, melatonin! <laughs> Get at me with that sponsorship. So, bucks. so not the so not the drug companies that like make distribute it, no. it. No, the actual chemical. Yeah. How much yeah. money? The do you actual think chemical it... is doing fine. Yeah. <laughs> do you? Yeah, I was gonna say. Do you think it's rich? Probably. <clears throat> Probably. Do you think it has like an ad team? I got to imagine that it does. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so uh, my morning's been good. I made coffee. Last night I made um, ginger banana bread scones mm. that I make, and they're really simple. I've been trying to decide if I should be calling them Italian banana bread, like if that's the best way to describe it, because it's, it's just basically olive oil, sugar, flour, and bananas, and then seasoning. But that's the recipe, and it's like, they're fucking delicious. I'd be interested to see this recipe made into a loaf and then, like, sliced. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is the inside gets so moist, though. Like, I don't know if it could be bigger. Otherwise, it wouldn't cook all the way through. Hmm. That's my concern. I do agree with you, though. I'd be interested in seeing this recipe turned into a loaf. Anyway. That sounds like a like a fall experiment. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe with some, like, ooh, maybe with, like... Some, um, like, butter and brown sugar and mm. oatmeal topping. Yeah. Like a streusel topping. That'd be sweet. Oh, that would be so damn good. Let us know what you think, those at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, write in, write in with your streusel thoughts. Mm-hmm. Streusel thoughts. Here is Scoppy. So, can we talk about New Girl? <clears throat> of course. Marina and I have been watching New Girl. I don't know if you also watch this show, but I like I'm realizing that maybe it's problematic. So there's no denying that Zoe Deschanel's character, Jessica Day, is Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Yeah. There's no denying that. But she's a really appealing one. Well, and the thing is though that like they give that character all of the, like, oh, she's going to be a feminist. Oh, she's going to care about gender equality. And then her best friend is going to be Cece, who's dating 
a Republican. Yeah, but we just found that out, that he's a Republican. No, it's been a, a, a thing throughout the series. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, that was the whole, like, Tug Romney episode. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's a Romney. Yeah. Well, they just, and then they just, so we were catching back up because we tend to watch trash TV or Chopped or something, like, mm-hmm. um, when Rick and Morty and Game of Thrones isn't on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they just did the Megan Fox arc, which I remember a lot of people talked about because it was like, that's so weird that someone else is going to be playing the new girl. Because the whole thing is that it's a Joey, De- uh, uh, Joey, Joey Bechamel. <laughs> It's a. Is that like her frumpy sister, (laughs) Joey Bechamel? Well, the whole thing was that it's a Zoe Deschanel vehicle. Mm -hmm. So now I'm saying it like Bechamel. Yeah. Eh, Whatever. Um, So to have another person, and then on top of that, the character is so not developed. I mean, we didn't watch half of it, so we chose to. We watched two episodes. We gave it the old college try. Yeah. It was very cringy. And I mean, the she, whole thing is that she's bi. And yeah, she, and so she's queer. Like, so there's like the queer representation angle, but then it seems like it's such a stereotype. But then is Megan Fox queer? And it's so drenched in male gaze. It's got the at like the aspect of like lesbian porn on Pornhub, where it's like so clearly made for men by men. Mm-hmm. It that's what it felt. The Megan Fox sections feel like it was written by a man. Yeah. Oh, Megan Fox is queer. All right, Megan Fox is bisexual. I think she always has been. Well, I didn't know that. But I, but I, okay, yeah. so that actually reframes my thought a little bit. I don't blame Megan Fox. I don't I, either. I think that she's a complete vessel for the patriarchal male gaze society that we live in. Like, even trans, because Transformers was terrible. <laughs> Just. Just trash. Trash fucking shit. I saw it in theaters in 2007. It was bad. Uh, 17-year-old Maureen saw it right after she had gotten off of a plane from Germany. Mm. And my friends, uh, James and Noah, like, threw me in their car. And we went to the theater and watched it. And I I think I fell asleep in it. (laughs) 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 But, yeah. Well, I think that segues really well into our first segment, which is um, about Joss Whedon. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Because I know you're a big Firefly, Firefly fan. Did I'm you watch not... Buffy? I watched... I started to watch Buffy when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I wasn't, like, super invested in it. So those, for those following along at home, uh, there was a recent development where his ex-wife of... They were married for 20 years, but I guess they got divorced. Came out um, with, like, a tell-all something, basically saying that he'd been cheating on her the whole time and accused him of being, like, a... Faux-feminist. Faux-feminist. Well, and she's... She's quoted as saying that he privately thinks that feminism is just a list of grievances. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, it makes sense. I, I The thing I shared on Facebook about it was an AV club, which I love the AV club. Just shout out generally the AV club. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an AV club article about that, um, about Joss Whedon. 
And they really accurately quoted his 2013 speech. Where was that? It was a 2013 speech he gave at an award ceremony. It was like an equality, like make equality now. That's not not the name of it. And basically he just went on, he gave this entire speech criticizing the feminist movement and like... No, 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 no. He, He went on about the word feminist. Right. Particularly... Ist, because he has an issue with the fact that feminism is an ism. Mm-hmm. For me, uh, if you're not talking about bell hooks, radical feminism, not interested. Like, I think the thing is that we're, it's an interesting thing in the last decade that we have this, like, it's cool that there's, like, feminism is entering the mainstream and, like, we're talking about the concept of gender equality, but there are decades and decades of research and, like, multi, it's a multi-phase movement, the feminist movement, um, that all of that is just a, a wash for what the mainstream, the Joss Whedon, the new girl, the, all the things that we're talking about when we talk about feminism in this day and age it's just completely lost on it. Um, yeah, and I mean, I don't need everybody to read uh, Bell Hooks. Like, I don't need everybody to read um, every, you know, Virginia Woolf ever written. I, I, I haven't read most. I've read, like, I got, like, halfway through a Virginia Woolf book, and I, I don't know. Anyway, um, but I love Bell Hooks. Uh, cause she's fucking brilliant. And I really like Jamaica Kincaid too. I don't know why I'm just like listing, listing books. Um, I got really so excited because whenever I hear books on podcasts, they go like, Oh, book recommendations. So my Daniel's book recommendations right now, bell hooks, Jamaica Kincaid, Jamaica Kincaid, read all of her. She's such a good like story writer and they're easy to read. So good. Lucy is like one of my favorite books of all time. Um, the new Jim Crow I've been reading, and this nonviolent stuff will get you killed. I think I've mentioned maybe one of those on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. So, um, my thoughts on Joss Whedon <laughs> are that, um, well, first of all, I'm sad <clears throat> because um, he's been a part of my pulp, pulp, pop culture sphere yeah. since high school. I mean, he came out with. I wasn't a Buffy person, but um, I got I got really into Firefly, you know, late high school, early college. I got really into, um, I watched a lot of, like, science fiction once I got to college. <laughs> um, but I loved Dr. Horrible. Um, but now that I'm, like, you know, now that I'm sitting here and actually thinking about his female characters because that's that was a big part of the criticism that is being drawn like kind of people thinking about his body of work in hindsight because he was always touted as having these really strong female characters which his female characters are really strong yeah but they're totally male gaze driven like in firefly one of his one of his characters inara is a sex worker with agency mm-hmm and it and whenever and like whenever anybody calls her you know refers to her as like a slut or anything like that she like immediately like using logic and reason shuts them down but i mean dripping with male gaze mm. genuinely um mm. even 
the character of Kaylee, who's like this, who's the ship's engineer, um, who's like this whiz at like she she's the only person like her backstory with within this crew is that um, Mal, the ship's captain, was you know was parked somewhere on some planet, and he came back to his ship, and the engineer that he had hired was sleeping with some woman in the engine room and the and he, Mal walks in on them and then um, the guy's like, well, it's broken. I can't fix it. And then Kaylee gets up like without a top, like holding her top over her mm. boobs and just like fixes the ship. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, a woman who can f- fix a ship is not a common thing but it's still it's like a weird sub faction of the manic pixie dream girl Mm -hmm. and that it's like because her character is very like oh i'm so cute blah 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 but then it's like i'm in the engine room i'm covered in oil yeah it's like sitting here thinking about it it's like yeah well (laughs) um my curiosity now is because i i don't like i don't consider him i don't even think he's as bad as like woody allen let's say no I, well and here's the thing well did he have was the thing that he had affairs that was the thing so maybe well yeah he had affairs he was cheating i mean he wasn't cheating i don't think he was cheating with like underage girls mm-hmm. so i mean he's not you know like a, a pedophile he, i don't think he's a pedophile then again i have not read her letter yeah so maybe he, uh, no, I'm not going to say that. I don't, I don't know. Well, so here's my point with this is, um, you know, I think it's an interesting thing when someone is in this area of, and I don't necessarily mean to use Joss Whedon as the like. Scapegoat. Yeah. I, I think you. We, this is a, a general concept, which is this idea of like kind of milquetoast liberalism of, of uh, gender. Like I think the idea of like. And it's usually when you have characters that are written by a male or you have like the lesbian section of Pornhub or like, Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Where it's this thing that's like, oh, you really could have included like so many more people on this in this world that you've created. And instead, you've just made another thing for your main audience to like fantasize about i i that's what i was feeling about with new girl with the because in one episode the megan fox character and this was the episode where i was like oh i can't watch this anymore because they had a um her love interest one of her in, in an episode and just i don't know like it didn't feel like there was any time for that to breathe like the idea the idea was that she just had a girlfriend and that she just wanted to break up with her. And it just really felt this idea like... Because it was... it uh, What went into that was the whole idea that her and Cece had been dating. And so everything is just No, they weren't with... dating. They had just hooked up right. at the MTV Beach House in 2003. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> That was good. 
That was funny. But the thing that got me was then they had to have like a 30 second scene where they're in the shower together pretending to be having sex to make Schmidt feel awkward. Not pretending. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but that wasn't what was happening. What happened is that um, Megan couldn't figure out. Oh, it's raining. Oh. Really? Oh, yeah. So in our headphones, it sounded like like there was a leak coming. No, it's just that it's raining. I guess we're not going to the beach. No, I guess not. Oh, anyway, so... So all I was saying was that it's just... I didn't mean that they were the same story. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I mean, they. it wasn't that they were, like, pretending to have sex to make Schmidt jealous. It was that he walked in when they were... when. Cece was helping Megan figure out the shower. Yeah. And then it was double entendre that Schmidt misinterpreted. Right. And I, well, Which kind of, I think that's an important distinction. Well, but I think it is, it is, but it also reminds me of this idea of, like, satire and, like, its influence and the idea that you can't... I don't think... We're getting to a point where you can't ignore the effects that satire has... The in unintended intended, the intended unintended. Basically, my point being here is that when you're making... So, for example, the Tina Fey thing. Mm-hmm. We've talked about... You and I have talked about this. Um, you know, there are a lot of people that are saying that, oh, it was brilliant. Like, she knew exactly what she was doing. She was poking fun at the idea of sheet kicking. She was poking fun at the idea of an action of not getting involved in the streets. That is not how that read to a lot of people. Well, it's not how it read to me. I thought she was being serious. Right. I didn't understand that it was satire. And yeah. I'm I am the target audience for satire. Right. I am a late twenties white educated white woman. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand that it was satire. Yep. And you have people sheet caking to sending them to her on Twitter. Really? It's totally a thing. And then you also have Republican douchebags calling them fat which is terrible what i don't agree with that yeah it's a whole thing who's and calling who fat republicans are calling tina so, Fey fat. no uh, a group of women took a picture with a sheet cake sent it to tina Fey. republicans were like there you go look at all these magoos i don't remember the exact wording oh Ugh. terrible shit anyway so uh, but my point is, is that like as far as the left conversation, center Democrats and and far left uh, Democrats are concerned, I think what um, SNLites and people that are, I don't know, educated and trained in satire are missing is that yeah, like yeah, if you read it the way that you're reading it, um, and you're getting all of the jokes, like it is. Uh, you know, we should be like the the punchline at the end was the idea of treat it like a, a female driven movie superhero movie, and what and ignore it. Yeah, and obviously she's not promoting that, but like, and that was obviously a joke, right? Um, I think that where I what came into it, I I came into it with the idea that I had read her book. I knew that she had. I knew that she was a graduate of UVA. Mm-hmm. Like I and so I was kind of waiting on her take on it because she went to college in Charlottesville. Right. And so then when I saw that she was on Weekend Update, 
I knew that there would be comedy involved, but I thought that her connection to the city would make her... I, I thought that there would be more sincerity in it. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. And the thing that I was talking to someone about it with it was the idea that... Um, I was saying that the the thing is about Weekend Update is that it's a character-driven show. And, like, yeah, of course, I'm all for satire and, like, absurd satire. But when it's a character, not when it's Tina Fey playing Tina Fey, that's where all of these lines of, like, what is satire and what is not, what is intended, what isn't, what is offensive to the protesters and what isn't, like, that gets so much grayer when she comes out as Tina Fey, UVA graduate, and says... Especially wearing a UVA exactly. shirt. Exactly. It it was that's where it was in poor taste. And I, I don't think that like I think that if she had come out as I don't fucking anything like like as a character I think she would have even as a UVA graduate being the person to make a statement, I almost feel like if she'd been in character it would have been better. Yeah. Instead of being Tina. I think that's really where it it missed the pulse. Because coming out in a UVA sweatshirt and like for like off the bat speaking from the heart and then all of a sudden transitioning into a weird bit. Yeah. That's where and like, you know, people hear you know, people hearing this will probably be like, Well, you just didn't get the joke and like it's probably just above your head, like No, I got the joke. It was fine. It was fine. There were parts that I chuckled, but like generally, people are dying. Someone yeah. died in Charlottesville, and Nazis are marching, and there is a serious issue of fascism in this country. So yeah, I got the joke, but was it worth it? Yeah. Yeah, because I agree. Because that's what people say, and it's like, okay, okay, like, but you know. Really think about this. Think about the moment we're living in. Like, you were not making art in a vacuum. And also, the even the mere suggestion of ignoring Nazis yeah. and, like, letting them do whatever the fuck they want is a dangerous idea. Because when you ignore Nazis, we've already seen what happens when we ignore Nazis. Right. No, Nazis, that's what, <laughs> weirdly... I hadn't listened to, I don't know if anyone at home listens to Harmontown, but it's another podcast that we like, and I hadn't listened in a while, but that was the one that I listened to was post-Charlottesville, mm-hmm. and he was just talking about, like, once, fascism is like cancer. Once you have it, and we have it as a country, we have it. Once you have it, you have to get rid of it, and the way to get rid of it is, like, something like Antifa, which also, can we also... Anyone that has kind of like right relatives or anything like that, and this comes up, I'm gonna I want to give a quick and brief brief primer on what Antifa actually is because I feel like there's a little bit of a confusion of what it is. Antifa is not an organization, so there's actually a lot of folks for, on the right that are like creating Twitter profiles for like Boston official Antifa and then posting PayPal links to other left wing organizations to get it blocked by right-wing people because they're calling Antifa. So they're making an account, right? They're linking... Right-wing folks? Right-wing people are making Twitter accounts for official Antifa Antifa groups and then basically signal-boosting 
two right-wing people, left-wing funding sites Mm -hmm. in order to get the the people they've signal boosted to disqualify like people's paypal accounts or or report them on their sites oh yeah and so that's where the uh, the idea of like understanding what antifa actually is is really important which is that like even the people that are in like that organize in uh, in all black and wear bandanas. That's not even that's not technically antifa either. Those are black block protesters, which is a different thing entirely. I mean, not that most. I, I'm pretty sure I don't know the the exact nuances of the boundaries of what is black block and what is antifa. And, I, and it's kind of the point that there isn't. But all that antifa means is as a po- like a political stance. You don't believe in fascism. Mm-hmm. And fucking, I'm antifa. Yeah. I'm Antifa. I don't... I'm not pro-fascism. Well, and a, a thing... Th- what Dan Harmon got into with Antifa is he was like, how do I join Antifa? <laughs> yeah. He was like, I want to join Antifa. That's the... Th- you don't. Yeah. You well, just... All, and that... You, I right. think that's the conclusion that they came to. Is right. that... I think Spencer came out and was like, Antifa isn't an organization. It, it's just a movement. Right. So, congratulations. You're... You are now Antifa. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So I am pro punching Nazis. Pro. I mean, like, the thing is, I don't know. It's not. We don't have to get too deep into this. But write us into the show and let us know what you think. Write it in the show and say that you're Antifa. You know who's an Antifa? Who? Moody. Oh, Moody's hella Antifa. Moody would punch a Nazi. She'd punch the shit out of a Nazi. She punches the shit out of Oscar. She does punch the shit out of Oscar. <laughs> You want to know why? Feminism. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the other thing I know that we really wanted to talk about, we've already gone 25 minutes. Yeah? Yeah, we're killing this. Yeah. Um, We're great. The other thing I really wanted to talk about was Rahner. Hmm. So for those following at home, I know we talked about Rahner in the past, specifically his new staff. Um, Did we? I, I'm pretty sure we did. If I, anyone remembers us talking about it, I'm I'm like ninety percent sure we did, because his staff, when they when he first hired the staff, some left his, his communications department right. specifically right had in the past issued some really iffy statements on race. So, a month or two ago, mid July, Rahner fired his chief of staff and then hired a, a new chief of staff as well as a new communications department. And these are all folks from women. They're all women from the Illinois um, Policy Institute. Except for one who used to be a staffer for Scott Walker in Wisconsin. Which, like... Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, Six one way, half dozen the other. I mean, except that the Illinois Policy Institute is a think tank where, as Scott Walker, literally does not have a brain, so there's no thinking involved. Yeah. So. Is he a tank, though? No, he's like a, um, uh, he's like a, a, he's like amber waves of grain. Like if it's windy, he's like, mm. Is he pro, uh, foreign involvement? Do you know what I'm saying? Such a broad. Uh, interventionism. Oh. Like, like, um. <laughs> Is he pro foreign involvement? <laughs> well, I mean, I think. <laughs> Is he pro well, that, so the reason I put it like that is because I think about this a lot about 
radical Islam. And this is something that I was, um, that I got into a weird, almost one-sided Facebook fight with someone who commented on a thing I shared that got shared a bunch who didn't even have a photo. Yeah. Um, but it was basically the idea that we've been involved in Afghanistan for so long. And the, the thing about radical Islam right now is that it's hard to like help or hurt it. Like it's hard. It's, you don't, you don't really do either at this point. You just kind of like at, you're just kind of adding fuel mm-hmm. to some extent. Cause like if you bomb, you radicalize the people that survive more to, to, uh, and, and like logically so like your neighbor just got bombed by the U S like that's going to frame how you think about the U S going forward. I and mean, on the other side of it, if thinking you... of it, sorry, thinking of it like here, like here, if, you know, your aunts got bombed by North Korea, you'd be like, fuck North Korea. Right. They bombed my aunt. Yeah. Sorry. Right. Keep going. Absolutely. Well, and, and then if you send uh, weaponry to the allies, you're just adding more. That's where you really get into this idea of, um, like... If you have a, a classroom and you have people that, like, if a teacher can open carry, but the teacher doesn't have to have training in um, firearm safety, does it really help to add more guns to the situation? Daniel, but what if there are bears? That is that is true. There, you know, there are bears. Fucking Betsy DeVos. Can you believe she's still... We have had, like, the staff of hell change. Like, staff changes of hell. Not even necessarily. We're just, like, slowly getting rid of Nazis, which is good. But, mm-hmm. like, whew. anyway, we've jumped. Jumped so much. So um, Here's the thing about Scott Walker. Yeah. If it is a Republican or right-wing ideal, he aligns himself with it because he's milquetoast. Okay. So, um, the only thing that he feels really strongly about is that he is fiercely anti-union. Um, like, intensely anti-union that's what all the 2000 like was it 2011 2000 early like early teen 2000 protests were about it's what sparked the whole recall thing is that he was working to dismantle unions that's so sad specifically teachers unions wisconsin especially has such a strong history with unions i know um like Milwaukee had like a socialist mayor, like mm-hmm. it has such a strong like collectivist history. Yeah. And then so and actually the whole Scott like the history of Scott Walker and unions with him as governor is that he was trying to you know, he was like working let anti union legislation through the um state senate. And the Democratic senators all left the state mm-hmm. to avoid the vote. Like, no one, like, filibustered it. They all just fucking left. <laughs> they all, like, went to Michigan oh to, av- to, like, delay the vote. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which is, like, one of the more baller moves I've ever heard. And something that could really only happen in state politics. Because, like, if all of the... If all of like the U.S. sent like Democratic Senate just mm-hmm. fucking left D.C., like that wouldn't fly. But well, the fact that it's like the Wis- episode. I know, but like the fact that it was the Wisconsin right. State Senate Democrats just all left. 
they were all like, bye. It was such a baller move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, they were gone for like two weeks. Mm. And wow. I actually legitimately don't. I mean, probably the legislation passed, but I mean. Yeah. Well, so anyway, so all of this was an allegory of the Ronner story. Mm-hmm. So, um, so right. The four people that were hired at that time, a month ago or so, were three folks from the Illinois Policy Institute, a right-wing think tank, and a former Scott Walker aide. Um, so, there was an a cartoon put out by the Illinois Policy Institute. And the cartoon that was put out, uh, it, like, shows, uh, like, a young black person with an old kind of like cigar smoking white man mm. and he the um come on get rid of this ad i'm trying to pull up the actual cartoon again i don't know what that was yeah It specifically was about, I know, killing it. It was specifically about TIFF, which I don't know a ton about TIFF, but I'm going to, I'll do research for the next time we're recording. Um, But basically there was a giant backlash to this because the Illinois Policy Institute generally has a history of of racism. Uh Um, And so Rahner, Rahner's staff issued a statement like a day ago. That was basically like, it's not Governor Rauner's place as a white man to comment on this, but it's like, Governor Rauner's in charge of the, because it was specifically about education funding, Governor Rauner is in charge of the education budget, so it's very much his business. Yeah. It's literally his job to to not be shitty. Well, and Rauner, so before Rauner was elected governor, he contributed almost half a million dollars to the Illinois Policy Mm -hmm. Institute. And since then, he has tried to, in public, distance himself from it. That's over the last 24 hours that he's been trying to do that. And he has. And and that's the thing is, like, that's what, that's the new narrative he's trying to frame, Mm -hmm. is that, like, he's always been. But it's it's only been. That's why I was so desperately trying to find the article that I was thinking of from a month ago, because he was saying that this is a new face for the party, that the Illinois Policy Institute is something that he stands by. And so it's a sharp, it's like evidence of this just ridiculously sharp turn. But of course, like, I can't find, like, I can't, I don't know why I can't find that. It was so underreported. Like, the narrative was so overwhelmingly this. Because of the fact that, like, in a lot of ways, the state of Illinois is a very Republican area. Like, the, uh, like, there is so much... That's how Ronner got elected. Um, so anyway, that's an interesting, you know, development. And, of course, Pawar was right on top of it. I don't follow Biss on Twitter. I probably should start following him because I'm sure that he also said stuff about it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that. Yeah. You got Oscar there? I do have Oscar here. I think what's interesting, honestly, is that... So, and this this probably has to do with my own preconceived notions of what right-leaning folks are. Um, When I heard that 
Ronner's communications team was gone, I was imagining, like, a bunch of, like, Georgetown, like, right-wing dude bros. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was four women. Oh, yeah. And I think that we talked about this with... Bye. With Dennis? I think, no. I think that we talked about this with Titty City, actually. Oh, yeah. Who, unfortunately, the audio of their interview was lost. Sorry, I'm, like, yawning and burping. I'm, like, it's just a lot happening. Um, so... <laughs> something that we talked about with Titty City was that whenever we think of Nazis and the pictures that were shown of the rally in Charlottesville, we didn't... I, were there any women at that rally? Oh, no. Yeah. And so it's hard to imagine a female Nazi. You know what I mean? Well, I think there. I think the theory maybe is that they're rightfully afraid of outspoken Nazis because they're probably sexually aggressive and not aggressive like i mean like and so instead they're just they just work for the illinois policy institute (laughs) i guess (laughs) and so it it surprised me that it was for women but well women voted like educated white women voted for trump it wasn't at 50 53 percent yeah the, the majority i don't remember the exact number but yeah. 53 is like burned into my head for some reason because mm. I'm like 53%. No. That's shocking. Isn't it? Uh, do you want to talk national politics anything? Is there anything of the like plethora of like developments with Steve Bannon's out? I know we haven't talked about that on the show. Yeah. I mean his the most shocking quote to me is is that he's back to his weapons now he's like working at breitbart again and so he's like he's got this feeling did you see the article that he uh that was posted on breitbart right after um right after he was fired he was like the article from breitbart was steve bannon hands in his letter of resignation yeah like so so backwards so much mm-hmm. like dick on the table yep so ridiculous so i also saw a couple tweets talking about um amazon funding breitbart and we were talking about this yesterday with emily cox and sydney ray but i want to reiterate that if y'all have a twitter account if y'all have uh, post about it on facebook there is a movement wait the- amazon funds i thought that godaddy hosts breitbart godaddy hosts it and amazon also funds it like not in the same way that they just like amazon generally has like um uh like advertising things that it does on certain websites it it accounts for a quarter or maybe even half i let me look up the actual part of it because so many people have left breitbart at this point that amazon is like basically the last leg they're standing on amazon's gotta get the fuck out yep 22 advertisers have left Breitbart. 26 remain. If Amazon stops advertising on Breitbart, it could finish them. Oh, yeah. Has Scopy tweeted so no, at Amazon? I did, yeah, I retweeted that. Uh, hashtag dump Breitbart is the hashtag. Uh, and if you at Amazon, uh, we have a tweet that we retweeted about it, so you can find it. It's a, it's a little far back, but um, just generally search for that and and, you know, just kind of like add voice to that because that's i think where as far as like corporate protests direct action is concerned that does to see like trending hashtags do sometimes make a difference yeah um 
so do check that out. Um, well, the, so the thing. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, that was all. I was. I was actually going to change into something else. If you have a, if you have a comment on that. Well, I was going to change to something else. What were oh. you gonna? What were you gonna start talking about? Um, probably Afghanistan. See, I don't know a lot about what's going on with Afghanistan because I've been working pretty consistently. Well, it's past. it's really not. Basically, I, all that it is is that he he uh, rescinded on a campaign promise to not continue uh, Afghanistan deployment, and instead he deployed four thousand people to Afghanistan. Oh, fun. Um, okay, so the thing that I was going to talk about was um, the him going absolutely apeshit in Phoenix. Oh yeah. Yeah, he, so that's the thing, is he gave a speech <laughs> the night of the eclipse, so Wednesday, la- no wait, was Monday? Monday was the eclipse. So Monday night, he gave a speech that everyone was like, oh my god, he read. So proud of him, because he like, I guess he stayed on the teleprompter, and so like, I think like CNN, like mainstream was like, you know, show... Donald Trump actually showed respect for the office, because apparently that's... He did. Um, and then the next... It was Tuesday night was the Phoenix rally, I think, right? I think so. Um, he had a rally in Phoenix where he just, like, babbled on and was, like, racist and terrible and shitty. And he... What's... I mean, none of that is new. He was horrible and racist and terrible and all of that. What stuck with me was the fact that... Um, there's a criminal case currently going for the former sheriff, Joe Arpaio. Yeah, of Phoenix, um, who is currently on trial for ignoring a court order um, that w- was forcing him to dismantle, like, immigration enforcement on a local level mm-hmm. um, through like targeted, targeted uh, traffic stops. And business raids that focused on um, illegal immigrants who used false IDs to get jobs. And so there's currently... And so in 2011, he was issued a... In 2011, he was issued um, a court order to, to halt this movement. And... He didn't until 2013. Um, and so he's on trial to, and basically the prosec- it's on the prosecution to prove that he did it, that he purposefully ignored the court order mm. versus it just takes a long time to yeah. slow, to slow that kind of thing down. Right. And like, that's what his defense is going to be arguing that it took those two years to dismantle the infrastructure of those raids. Anyway. Well, um, but that's, yeah. So, um, what's interesting to me about that is that kind of, um, deputizing of local law enforcement to enact federal immigration action Mm -hmm. is exactly what Donald Trump wants to see happen. Right. And Donald Trump now wants to pardon Joe Arpaio. Yeah, and that's something that I remember. The quote that I remember from the rally was his was him basically being like, "And those that you're, I can't fucking do a Trump, but like, and I can't even necessarily quote Trump because the way that he uses the English language makes no sense." Uh-huh. But I'm but I'm gonna paraphrase and say that he said, "I know you're all worried about Joe Arpaio, 
Uh, I want to pardon him. I can't do it tonight because the mainstream media will have a field day with that. Uh, Yeah, he basically it, it was the thing is, it wasn't that direct. It wasn't that direct. It was like, don't worry. Like, I know that you're all worried about Joe. Don't worry about it. I have a feeling he'll be fine. And then he said, I can't do anything about it. Did he? He later said, I can't do anything about it now. The mainstream media will have a field day. They had, after about an hour into the rally, they stopped covering it as intensely because Mm -hmm. it was getting overwhelming, I think, for the, for, like, people to really pay attention. And so, like, only a few people caught kind of, like, the tail end of stuff. Like, and he was, they were, like, kicking out press over the course of the rally, too. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was pretty shitty. It was pretty terrible. Because he was calling, like, CNN and stuff fake news. Oh, yeah. And so he would have security escort them. <sighs> what a world we're living in, it's huh? It's pretty trashy. It's pretty terrible. It is trashy. That's the thing. Um, They f- have filed for impeachment, or they're about to, like, they're, it's about to be in the, like, be filed over the next week or something like that. Yeah. But, I mean, we'll see how that goes. It's, it, Weren't articles of impeachment drawn up, like, a month ago? Yeah, I think getting it onto the floor has been a really arduous process. I imagine. Because it's just, it's all about the same thing that it was before he got into office, which is the emoluments clause about his business ethics. And I think as as things keep happening, I think they probably have to reshape the case or something like that. And that's why it's hard to get it to a point where they feel confident about having it on the floor. I mean, like, I appreciate them taking their time with it because I'd rather not just have a thing where they spell out impeach on each paragraph and then it's, like, not necessarily a good, like, case. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I, like, not to say that that's going to happen, but, like, I I always get feel like that when, like, Cal Penn re- re- did the resist thing where I'm like, okay, that's, it's clever, but also, like, is that going to get rid of Donald Trump? Yeah. Um, yeah, um, I agree with you about, I want this impeachment to be, like, legitimate, and I want them to, I want it to be, like, well-founded and well-constructed and organized, um, because I just remember for the Scott Walker, um, oh, was there an impeachment? There wasn't an, recall? Yes, that's what it was, recall election. Um, the, um, person that they put up to replace him was the guy who he beat. So the same people who voted for Scott Walker voted for Scott Walker and the same people who voted for Tom Barrett voted for Tom Barrett. (laughs) And so like, there was a lot of energy behind this recall election mm-hmm. and, like, a lot of organization. And then they were like, and we're going to put up Tom Barrett. I'm like, what the f... Yeah. But he lost. <laughs> Why would you do that? He lost. Get a fresh face in there. Yeah. Tom Barrett is, like, the longtime mayor of Milwaukee. Wow. Yeah. He's a cool guy. Well, I'd be interested in doing some research and do you think he was like set up the stage for the unions to get busted as aggressively as they did or do you think he was pro-union tom barrett yeah i i think he's pro-union 
Interesting. Because, yeah, it could also be a Jeremy Corbyn situation where they're like, they can, you can make a left-leaning politician look really terrible by just, like, making him seem weak on... Because you can frame things so heavily in, like, terrorist fear that you can make... Like, that's why, like, um, a better example of where Jeremy Corbyn is... Um, what was the president that everybody hates for the wrong reason? The Vietnam president. Oh. Jimmy Carter? Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't... So, I voted Tom Barrett absentee mm-hmm. twice. Cool. Um, and I, I don't know why people didn't like him, to be perfectly honest, because he's a cool dude. He would have made a good governor. Yeah, I think that's the, what I mean is, like, for so long since Jimmy Carter, the idea of being pro-union has been become very weak. And I think that's why. There's it just doesn't that. make sense to me to be in Wisconsin and not be pro-union. Yeah. Just because, like, so many unionized industries are so strong there. Mm-hmm. And it has such a rich history of it, too. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a couple minutes left. Do you have anything you want to plug? Mm. Should we just close out? Do I have anything to plug? I don't. I have nothing upcoming. I'd I'd perform soon. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really bad about making a point to do auditions. Yeah. You so, are really bad at that. I but I I'm like I would like to I would perform. Anyone if anyone would care to hear my I mean, there's some cool art and cool theater going on right now. Oh, you know what I want to plug? It's not something I'm in. I'm going to plug someone else's dope work. On Sunday, Daniel and I are going up to Milwaukee to go see Theater Red's yep. chorus line. Um, theater Red and Milwaukee Opera Theater. I'm really excited about it. We we had them on the show to talk about it, and it was a really thoughtful conversation. And, um, yeah, like, if anyone wants to come up with us, Sure. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah. Um, you should buy tickets though online because yeah, like do that f- over the next f- day. I have a feeling it's going to sell out because there are only two performances, yeah. and anything that Milwaukee Opera Theater ever does sells out like immediately. Yeah. Because Jelana's a juggernaut. Yep. Um, cool. So yeah, uh, I think it's singular sensation dot brown paper tickets dot com. Cool. Buy tickets, and yeah. we'll we'll drive you up there and. We're going to eat dinner on my mom's patio. So, if you want in on that. Boop, boop, be doop. Shoop, shoop. Awesome. <laughs> uh, if you've liked what you've heard, this has been Sounding Board on Scopy Radio for Scopy Magazine. Is that the, the way to say that? Whatever. If you want to keep up with what we're up to, there are a lot of ways that you can do that. One of the first Aren't you is... Daniel Johansson? And I'm Maureen Smith? I always for, for fuck this up when it's just you and I. So I've been Daniel Johansson. I can... I continue to be Maureen Smith. If you want to keep up with what we're up to, you can head over to scopymag.com. That's our site. I've been sa- I realize I've been saying this for the first little, a long time first, and scopymag.com is has not been as detailed as it now is. So if you've checked scopymag.com in the last two months and we're like, oh, there's just really old articles here. You're right. But now, now all of our most recent episodes will be up in and uh in the radio tab and then the studio tab will have all of our recent videos. So I'm actually going to be uploading uh, the videos that I made from the Scopy session with Desiree Miller and Marissa Abbas and Jordan Christ and Ross Crean and Gretchen Adams. Um, that's going to go up 
tonight around. I think I'm going to space them out. Um, anyway, too much information. Uh, so head to scopymac.com. You can get all that there. Otherwise, on social media, you can find us on Facebook under Scopy Magazine, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Google Play, and iTunes podcasts under Scopy Mag, S-C-A-P-I-M-A-G. And as always, I'm here to emphasize the importance of donations. We run on a shoestring budget. Everything that we've been able to do up to this point has been through your generosity. So first of all, thank you so much. Second of all, we need a little bit more help. Um, if you are in a position to give, you can head to our website, scopymag.com. Go to our About section. There are two ways that you can give. You can do a one-time donation, and if you choose to do that, you'll have our eternal gratitude as well as... And actually, what's funny is I, I can remember everyone who has done a one-time donation. Like, I have, like, a little backlog of every single person who's done a one-time donation, like, in my head. Mm-hmm. Just, I could rattle, rattle them off. I'm not going to, but, um, so it, it really is memorable when you do give, whether on a one-time basis or monthly. So if you choose to do a one-time donation, you'll have, you'll be added to my mental backlog and you'll receive a, um, handwritten thank you note, which I'm going to like, I got to catch up on that probably today, honestly. Um, if you choose to give on a monthly basis, there are some cool things that'll happen. First of all, our next donor, next monthly donor, is going to receive 30 days of unlimited yoga at B Yoga Andersonville. We've been sitting on that for a month. Yeah. (laughs) We got someone, so we were offering coffee or yoga. Yeah. Someone claimed coffee, which is great. I'm shocked that no one has taken taken us up on that yoga, but whatever. It'll happen. Um... So that's cool. Also, if you choose to give at $10 a month or more, um, you will receive unlimited studio photography from Daniel. Um, he just got a new camera lens. It looks really, really nice. Um, in the next, in the next like couple weeks, at some point, I'm going to go to like Joanne Fabrics and pick up some cool fabric for like different backdrops that we can set up. Because mm-hmm. right now we have like so we have our studio and then we have our living room and there's like a little archway between so what we can do is we can create like a basically like a photo screen right and what i want to do is like we can do like just a white sheet but what we can also do is like do some different fabrics and i want to i want to have some flexibility there just because right we're not sears i want to create some texture yeah so, um, yeah, give a little, give a lot. And if you can't give, then listen, participate, and share. Cool. Thank you all so much for listening. Go out and make something. Yep. <laughs>